All right, so this is episode, I think it's episode 20. Let me check really quick. Let's see. We're rolling on this is Yeah, this is episode 19, almost nice. 20. So this is uh, my fourth interview ever on this uh, podcast, the Brain Dump podcast. This is uh, my really good friend, Gianni Magna. Um, yeah yeah we did a we did a couple comedy shows together um we met in san francisco and yeah well welcome to the podcast thank you so glad to be here uh glad to have an opportunity to dump the brain for sure it's necessary um so what like i guess just tell me like what do you a bit about yourself and like what you've been up to like recently yeah, right so I moved to LA in October and I've been doing stand-up comedy since I started college in San Francisco when I was like 17 as a freshman, like sneaking into bars when like I wasn't allowed there. But if they know that you're on the show, then they don't ask questions was like a really convenient workaround for me. So I was able to start yeah. stand-up pretty early uh, when I was in film school at San Francisco State University, which I know you also went to. Mm-hmm. Even though I think that uh, I didn't know you until I was pretty close to graduating and you'd already graduated from there. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Passing like ships in the night, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I've been in LA now, graduated from uh, the bachelor's at SF State. I spent the last semester of my BA in Zoom school. And I don't think I could sure. tolerated any longer than one semester of that. I left San Francisco because I couldn't go to class in person. It didn't make sense to pay rent out there moved back in with my folks in Napa Valley, not too mm. far out in the Bay Area, and wrote out the rest of the semester just like trying to keep it together, like barely scraped by. My professors were so forgiving with how absolutely, you know, lethargic and uh, depressive and, and self-flagellating and like self-sabotaging I was near the end of that. I was able to form, you know, it was, it was for a film degree in theory, um, not film theory, but it's like, I think it's only nominally a film degree because it's like my bachelor says cinema on it, but like I think oh, that I, I, I accidentally um, did a film studies program because there was actually very little on-set experience or like operating cameras or technical equipment or like I see. writing or, or directing uh, taking place in the course load in the curriculum. And I was able to complete a thesis film, but it wasn't the thesis film that I wrote to shoot in the thesis class my last semester of the degree it was it was like a documentary that you know my thesis class was still meeting over zoom and we were all like hey we can't make this we can't make our films uh and oh yeah it was like well you still got to turn something in for this class so figure something out uh you have to rewrite from scratch make do with what you got you know unlimited Mm -hmm. resources so i and probably everyone else that didn't have a better camera was just shooting on an iphone and I submitted like a documentary piece that was actually a lot more true to form uh, for me coming from stand-up comedy where it was just sort of like me talking as myself to the camera kind of, or like voicing over footage of whatever else about my life and just like trying to make sense of like, who am I? How did I become this person? Uh, why am I like this? And that was the title of the film is why, why am I like this? And oh, that that's was- really cool. Yeah, and I graduated summer of last year, summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, first semester of Zoom college alumni, you know. <laughs> and I would love to get a, a college text like pullover that just says like 
Zoom school or something like that, or like Zoom University, like in the Ivy League font. It'd be so funny. Yeah, that's so even like if universal. It, yeah, even if it were like the SF State colors, it's kind of like that college font uh, hoodie or like pullover that says Kale on it in the college font. Yeah, with like a gator under it or something. Yeah, that would be yeah. super cool. The, you know, purple hilarious. and gold SF State colors and it just says <laughs> Zoom, Zoom University or Zoom School. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I'm, and then after the summer, after I graduated in 2020, end of 2020, I somehow got together. I mean, really like thanks to unemployment, I guess, I was able to move out to LA uh, with cool. our mutual friend, Jake, uh, who introduced me to you initially when we were all living in San Francisco just before the lockdown. I remember that. I first met, yeah. Um, and so now him and I live out here and ever since we knew we were gonna be living together, we had planned, cause he has been making YouTube videos and independent productions that he's been writing and directing with his friends from San Diego from around the time that uh, you and him met, like his his friends from his theater program in San Diego that you know all these people and they've yeah, been making, most of them, yeah. totally. And they've been making really awesome, really funny, totally unique in terms of tone and like authorial voice. He's a total auteur, uh, my roommate Jake. And we knew that as soon as we were gonna live together, like we got it shoot our own stuff and make some kind of like independent short film happen and we decided to develop one of the scripts that he had called the last roommate into a web series and we wrote you in to be like the third character <laughs> even though there's only two bedrooms in our apartment so like eventually the the very attentive viewer who watches enough episodes oh, will, will eventually notice that where was <laughs> where Jake is he living? living it doesn't even make sense yeah so in the fictional universe, we all play ourselves and we all have our real names. In the Last Roommate universe, the three of us are roommates, but in reality, me and Jake are writing the show and then we call you over to play yourself. Yeah. Yeah, we have a little yeah. over, I think, half the episodes shot now. And so okay. we're hoping definitely like this year, maybe by like summer, we'll be like before the end of summer, we'll be able to start releasing these and mm -hmm. your audience can see you act as yourself it'll be super cool yeah so we're on episode. what do we have to do next like episode five i think yeah definitely there is yeah. uh an episode that sort of talks about and i don't want to give too much away but there's an episode yeah, that talks about right the way that like in lockdown which is slowly ending here in la um finally it's uh just the process of like losing all social etiquette and just forgetting like how to be a person and how to interact with people. And because you of the three roommates are the only one of us who actually has a job outside and like a girlfriend and like has any sort of life outside of just like staying in the apartment and like avoiding like being around people at all. You've been kind of out in the world, like way more than the two of us relatively. So you actually retained a sort of social etiquette and a knowledge of like how to interact with people and be a normal person. And so you have to teach us as like a life coach, how to be normal guys again, before we go back out into the world. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, that, that's yeah. gonna be the next <laughs> thing that we shoot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was also really, I'm so excited for this. Like, I feel like this is giving me an opportunity to act or like, there was none before, so I'm like really grateful. We've had to create our own opportunities. Like if it were up to yeah. me and what I had planned to do right after graduating is just move down here um, to LA like as fast as I could and just be going to auditions immediately. Yeah. That's not really happening in person. Like that's all like self-taped from home. So yeah. I've been able to have some exposure 
to that process, but more from the end of like helping an actor film his self tape auditions in my ongoing process of like seeking representation for myself so that I can start eventually submitting my own. Cool. Yeah, I'm sure that's helping you like learn and just become comfortable with auditioning. Yeah, it's been a really amazing educational experience, like helping um, with self tapes. And I, the first time that I helped an actor make a self tape, you know, reading the lines for all the other characters that they're not auditioning for from behind the camera and hitting record, setting up the shot and everything. That's really my only role in the process of filming the self tape. The first time I did it was at the new school at Parsons in New York, the like mm -hmm. private arts school and performing arts school. And it was a Italian actress who has the same acting coach as me. And that would, and he, he got us in touch. Like, hey, I, I've helped this girl with her auditions and with questions that she had about acting. And I know that you're starting out in acting. I was doing like a lot of stand-up uh, comedy a year that I took off of school when I was living in New York, uh, working in a coffee shop and going to stand-up open mics. And uh, our mutual acting coach got us in touch and we totally hit it off and it was so funny because like she's like i was helping her do her self tape and from there i really wanted her to go to a stand-up open mic and she really wanted to too but she didn't feel in any way ready to do it and it was so funny that like i don't have any real acting training aside from like ucb improv classes and like sketch okay. uh and she's like worked in stuff in like Rome where she's from and she felt like oh my gosh you just get on stage and you can do comedy and speak as yourself and you're just so unafraid to be in a room full of people and talking to a microphone that's amazing I could never do that and it was so disorienting like you think I'm further ahead than you I just like talk shit for like three minutes at a time about yeah stuff that just like makes people uncomfortable that I'm even talking about it like that's really not that impressive and eventually I did get her to try it and she totally knocked out of the park at an open mic that I brought nice. her to at the, at the Creek in the Cave in Brooklyn, which is just closed during the pandemic. And nobody believed it was her first time doing comedy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we do that so much as artists. Like we think we're awful. And then the other person who we're with, the other artist thinks they're awful. We're and writing we're the rules. Like, oh my God, you're so good. And then it's like, no, I'm, I'm so bad. No, you're the good one. And it's just like, all of these decisions that happens that all the time. Yeah, all these decisions that you see people and everyone does it, all these decisions that we constantly make about what we can't do, what we can't try, what is totally something that I could never do that, that's us writing the rules for ourselves. And as soon as you acknowledge it, like that's, you've created that reality. Like you've scripted that for yourself. That like I can do this and I can't do this and I could never try that. As soon as you realize that you're the one in control behind that, like there are steps you can take to, break down those barriers because you're the one that put them up in the first place that's right yeah and it took me a long time to get that because like i i was not a good student like in high school i had like a really shitty gpa like I oh i wouldn't have, i wouldn't have guessed that and at all like, because you seem like a really focused guy yeah i feel like now it's like a different i guess but i still have that underlying insecurity from having a low gpa and like that trauma i guess or like trauma or whatever it's not really trauma but it's just like some but it affects the way you view that, yourself exactly yeah and i just i deal with that like underneath the surface sometimes so like when someone criticizes me about something i'll be like oh it's because like i'm internally like i am stupid. knew it like i am stupid i always knew it <laughs> yeah and it's like not true but i'm like so i'm like trying to learn how to like 
just be easier on myself and just you know and stop looking at stop ranking people based on like what i think they can do or like this is something that i've been talking about with like a friend of mine constantly because like i mean i don't want to put his you know bullshit with his friend on blast but basically he keeps running into issues that end up burning bridges in his friendships where what it really comes down to is that like the other guy in the situation is he drives himself insane by comparing himself to whatever other mediocre guy that he decides he'll never be as impressive as. Mm. And it poisons his mind. It, it, it conditions the way that he views himself in every situation. And it's like, if it's, a, it's totally a losing battle when your perception of yourself is only relative to whatever other person outside of you you're comparing yourself to. Like I think Hemingway has some kind of quote about that. Like there is no value to ever, or maybe F. Scott Fitzgerald, there's no value to ever be gleaned from comparing yourself to somebody else. There is only success to be acknowledged from comparing yourself to yourself, comparing yourself to I the see. old you. And I'm trying to RIP the old me every day. Cause that's all, that's all that we can do. That's the only reliable measurement, you know? Yeah, yourself, you know, like yourself yesterday. And you know, yeah, it's true. That's the only reliable, like, because like you, you know, people have different goals. Like they have different, they're just different. They're like built different. Everyone's and on like, their own path. And it's like yeah. I, in a, in the movie mid nineties that Jonah Hill directed the like a uh, skater. It's like kids. Oh like, yeah. Kids, I've seen half all of them. Skaters. It's really good, but like deeply dark and like will mess you up emotionally if you watch it. So I highly recommend it to people who are ready to take that on. Uh, but yeah, not Smith's character in that movie has some kind of line. Like you think everybody has it better than you, but if, if you look at the shit in their closet, you wouldn't trade your shit for their shit. Like whatever guy you're convinced that like, you're dumb or you're ugly or you're untalented relative to you have no idea what that person's drastically overcompensating for or like what they had to overcome to get to whatever you think comes so easily to them yeah you don't want that guy's problems you know yeah and yeah like that's true like we're all on our own path and like especially with art like being an artist it's like i feel like that's it's like hyper more than like people who you know aren't creative or like aren't doing like something creative like when you're creative it's like it's so hyper like um exacerbated where we're always like comparing every little thing like because we can put our art outside of ourselves and we're comparing our art to someone else's art and we'll we'll come we'll compare the art like it's us and we'll be like people are so deeply identified with their stuff that if they have any reason to believe that their work is not as valuable as whatever guy it's easy to take it really personally. And also with art, there's no linear metric, you know, like if you're a salesman and you're making six figures, you can, you can really feel like I'm done. I did it. I've made it. There's, you know what I mean? And there's always going to be some guys making more money than you or like sold more cars than you to aspire to. But like with art, it's quote unquote, never about the money. So there's no real place to get to where you feel like you've made it. Like that material success will never satisfy you. Like it, it's, a, it's an infinite hunger. It's an infinite appetite that will never be satisfied. Like that sort of fulfillment and the sense of achievement will only come from like immaterial fulfillment, like stuff that you can't put a price on, like caring for a loved one or mm-hmm. 
getting something out that you needed so badly to express. Totally. It's not like a price tag that's going to tell you like, and it was good and it was worth it. And you're done now. And you're a good person and you're talented. Like nothing's ever going to, no material measurement outside of you is ever going to truly determine that. Like, I mean, Paul McCartney is, he has the most profound imposter syndrome out of like anybody on his level. But I feel like on some level, in some way, everybody who is as achieved as him must be not totally convinced of themselves. And if they are truly convinced that they are what people think they are, they become psychotic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, that's so crazy. You know, I feel like it's like, especially like the keyword is like outside yourself because like the price tags, you know, the Gucci, like whatever, the car or whatever, it's all made up by other people. That shit could all like disappear or like someday that shit could like lose all of its value like all of a sudden and it's like, yeah, like what, what have was you that done? senator that was like there was a photograph of him taken on a golf course and it was some like republican representative and he was wearing like balmain jeans i don't know i know what you you're know about talking this? about yeah it's like I some ridiculous photo yeah. and like he he thinks he's stunning you know what i mean like <laughs> he thought he was showing up at the golf course like nobody's gonna have pants with all these fucking zippers and like knee pads and, like motorcycle yeah, styles yeah, yeah. on them it's like oh it's like designer ysl denim but it's khakis but i'm golfing like he thinks mm -hmm. that he's like 40 chess like five steps ahead of everybody else in the golf course and if the only person you have to compare yourself to is like other middle-aged Republican guys <laughs> who show up golfing then like yeah it's easy to stunt but as soon as that picture gets posted <laughs> oh online God. it's like you spent how much to look like that? You're a clown, dude. And like, yeah, he's funny. Dude. Yeah, it looks so dumb. <laughs> and it's like, that guy really thought that that was going to be like a measure of success, like a measure of achievement or like a stunt. Like, or like I'm, I'm, I'm avant-garde. Like, for real. Yeah. yeah. And it, <laughs> it, you only need to expose that to a wider audience for it to be so obviously <laughs> revealed. Like, undeniable. like, everybody agrees that he looks ridiculous, you know? And yeah, he thought that he hilarious. had made it by like showing up in those expensive pants. Yeah, it's crazy how memes get made, though, right? Yes. You know I had to do it to him. Exactly. I mean, just off the top of my head, like, what is that guy up to? Like, is, is he still getting fits off? He might be. Yeah. Like, you know, he I, might be like, oh, if they're talking bad about me, like, that's fake news. Like, I'm still going to stun. I'm still that guy that did it to him. Yeah. And that's, you know, he's high, like riding off of that like. yeah he's gonna rest on his laurels his whole life like he, you know <laughs> it, it, it's his go-to like bullet points that he touches on on a first date like hey i know it's like kind of weird but did you yeah you, you ever heard of i had to do it to him well and then you look down at his i did it, it in that way yeah i'm the guy that did it to him pretty cool right i mean it's not really a big deal or anything yeah he's probably yeah. gonna bring that up like in every conversation where he's ever trying to impress someone for sure. And rightfully then, so. Yeah. I mean, it was a legendary drop, like that pick. It was. You know, it might come back around to actually be cool, like in a dad way. I think that we're there. I think like. that we've actually <laughs> reached that full circle of zenith. I mean, if you look at what, what like Tyler, the creator is doing, I think mm -hmm. like there is a way to age up in streetwear in a mature way that like takes into account your like coming into full adulthood and like reaching a new level of maturity while also staying true to like your aesthetic roots and the stuff that like got you inspired as a kid first getting into streetwear, but like not insisting on like Dickies and Vans every single day when it's like you yeah. haven't picked up a skateboard in three years because you're fucking 30 years old or whatever. Like there's a path, you know, Zach Fox, another great example of that. He's getting the dad fits off like nobody's business. Like what is that line? Like 
show up to the cookout looking like your uncle or some shit yeah something like that bro i hope he hears this low-key <laughs> yeah with like the sandals or something. he's not gonna hear yeah. this yeah i don't know i mean you never know that's a dream guest though for a podcast right yeah that that is we, the dream I, we've literally had this exact conversation like bro now that we live in la we gotta find a way to hang out with zach yeah we're gonna find him i heard like brandon wardell lives in la too like a lot of these people live in la like, brandon like knows you yeah, He's totally I'm going to remember you from the DM conversation. Yeah, I haven't talked to him in person, but I've like DM'd him and we've had like a few conversations, like short conversations. I bet he like, would remember you. Like if you ran into him yeah, in he person, would. no doubt. Because like, you're already making connections. Yeah, because like almost no one looks like me too. So like I feel Facts. like he'd like remember. Yeah, like. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there, there were actually, when we watched the first episode of The Last Roommate on mm -hmm. the big projector in the living room here, there were certain moments where like seeing your face like shot really well with like color correction and like lighting effects in like post-production. And this is before we got the even better iPhone camera. Like, don't, don't get me wrong, listeners at home, we've been shooting on iPhone this entire time. But the first episode, sure. we had an earlier generation of iPhone where it's like, it, even just with that like iPhone 8 or whatever, there are certain shots we're seeing you like blown up the size of our entire living room wall in the projector. It's That's like, crazy. damn, like this is beautiful. Like Ron could be on a billboard. Like Ron could be that guy. Like, like I, I totally see that. That's you gotta dope. capitalize on the look. Yeah. Cause I don't see that for myself all the time. Like sometimes I I, I'm like looking in the mirror. I'm like, I look really fucking weird. Everyone feels that way. Like, you, know? you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's nice to hear that. Like for sure. It's yeah. so hard to know what you look like. I think because we're also we all have such a distorted perspective of our own appearance. Yeah. And we carry around like the worst we've ever looked like we see ourselves every day and it, we still see that, you know? Yeah. Or like certain features or like you ever like, you know, like you take a picture and it like flips and you're just like, oh, shit, like. Or that that trend on TikTok where it like it flips the picture so fast that you really see the asymmetry in your face yeah i've been noticing like my jaw is disproportionately developed on one side like it, it's I not up for debate tell. i know right. i know and i can't <laughs> i usually can't tell but there are certain photos that like certain photos of lighting and angles that do bring it out and i yeah. know why like like i don't know what the name of the condition is but i think that i have some kind of connective tissue disorder where like i okay. can just locate certain joints uh, and it doesn't necessarily hurt, but it's also not super comfortable. And I can only do it on one side of my jaw. <laughs> so I know that the musculature on one side of my jaw is like different being worked out in a, in an asymmetrical way. I don't really know what to do about it. Um, but you know, hmm. it's a look, I guess, like, yeah, does who it even feel... has an asymmetrical face? Yeah. I feel like I, cause I, I feel like I have like a similar thing and then I'm just like, like, sometimes I feel like, like my eyes will be like. Like if I like and stare at myself, like my eyes look like they're like this. Or like you see your different. eyes floating out of place. Yeah, I'm just like, what the heck? And like, I don't know. It's just weird. Or like sometimes I'll like look at my nose. I'll just be like, this is like huge. Like what the fuck? Like, how is anyone okay with this? How does yeah. nobody bring this to my attention? How does this not come up every conversation I have? Yeah, I totally relate. Yeah, but then like you have those days like every so often, like maybe like one in twenty, where you're just like, I look really fucking good. But sometimes you also just got to be Italian about it. You got to be like, yeah, dude, I have a big nose. That's my, I know, right? <laughs> that's like my culture. <laughs> what do you want? Yeah, for real. Like I, I've so I've been researching. Like speaking of like the Italian thing, um, 
I've been like researching on like how you can get like American people can get Italian citizenship like by descent. That is the way. It's fucking cool. Like if you're if you have a great grandparent or grandparent or whatever that like came to America and they didn't naturalize or they naturalized after they gave birth to like your their son like let's say like your great grandpa came over from like italy to like the u.s and then he had a kid while he was still an italian citizen that kid is an italian citizen and then therefore i would dad is an italian citizen and then i am but you have to prove it you have to go to the consulate and just be like okay here's his birth certificate Here's the date showing that he naturalized after he gave birth. Wow, that would be like and, an entire like National Treasure Steal the yeah, Declaration of Independence quest to try to get my yeah. great grandfather's birth certificate. To, That's wow, like yeah. sort of what I'm trying to do, which is sort of difficult. There's got to be. Oh, I think I could do it. Like, there's got to be a way. Yeah, it, it would. It would be so. It's worth hard. It, you know? It's yeah. hard because okay, Italy is in the EU. Yeah. you can get access to working in the EU. You can live anywhere. Living point, in the EU. Basically. You don't even have to go to Italy. You can get the citizenship, get the passport, and you don't you don't have any obligation to do anything there. They don't even want you to go there. They just want it's you to like, say you're Italian other yeah. places. They just want you to rep it. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's like the biggest like flex. I wonder Not if that, that I'm intending like... it to be like that, but I just feel like Yeah, I think there's cool. a lot of opportunities that way. Have you ever tried to learn a foreign language? I took French, I took Japanese, and I took like one year of Spanish. So I know a little bit of like all of those, but probably more French and Japanese. I just know a little Spanish just from hearing it. But um, yeah, I don't know too much though, but I'm sort of like beginner at like- Do you think if you lived in a foreign country, you could pick it up? I feel like I would. I feel like it would definitely take like some studying like just at home and stuff but i feel like eventually i would yeah yeah i mean getting italian citizenship takes all the bumpers off of like how long you can legally stay in france or or like spain or whatever stay there long enough to be able to learn the language and then even if you don't intend to stay you come back to the u.s or wherever you decide you want to live and you you always have that under your belt you know yeah for sure yeah especially if you want to continue to live in la like knowing spanish is a huge asset and japanese and french honestly like i mean i'm surprised how many french people i meet living out here Oh, okay, really? Yeah. I've been yeah, like, there's many. a bakery right in my neighborhood. And sometimes nice. I'll just like hear people like on the tables outside, like talking. Like I, I don't even know if it's like one of the owners or just a French person who knows about this in the neighborhood. I'll hear them talking French and I'm just like, Bonjour, keep walking. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Like I'm with it. I'm I'm in the community. Nice. Something that I used to do in New York uh a couple times is like language exchange meetups, like the app meetup. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like it's for people of all levels. So I would just go to like for example, like a champagne bar, like off Times Square. And that night, like pretty much like half of the venue would be basically rented out by this group of just people trying to meet up to have conversations in French or French people and French tourists looking for opportunities to practice English to people who know enough French to like have some grace. I, I just bumped the mic. And yeah, it was really cool. Like I, I met this uh, couple from Rennes, I think. Mm-hmm. And they like took me out to Korean food, like the the night after with this guy Walter that was also in the French exchange group. And 
they, they, they paid for everything. It, it was so lit. Like they were so psyched just to be able to hang out with like an American who was like down to have get cool, a language yeah. exchange. Uh, I, I checked out their hotel room. It was like super high up, like right near Times Square. It was an amazing view that like, even living in New York, I would not have a, had access to that view had I not like gotten in the hotel or known somebody who had a room. For sure. Yeah, dude, language exchange. I used to go to a little bit like with Japanese, like when I was taking Japanese, I would like go. And it was really cool. I went to like a Korean one a few times. Uh, that was like when I was, it, yeah, that was when I was living in uh, San Diego. Nice, so are there a lot of opportunities to practice Japanese in San Diego? Yeah, there were a lot. Um, just cause I, 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 went, I was going to like Mesa, like community college and then I, I was in Japanese and like, there was like a Japanese meetup like that was really close to the college. I would happen like, I think it was like every Tuesday or something. And it was like, there were tons of like exchange students like from Japan. So it was like really cool. Yeah, I'd love to get in with something like that. I mean, especially now that like more people are vaccinated, I got to jump on the meetup app and be looking for some French, German, Spanish, just like get in and just try, try not to break, try not to default <laughs> to English. Yeah. Explain just, yourself and baby talk. If, if the word doesn't occur to you, like explain the word that you're looking for, circumvent to, to get the idea across. Yeah, just try. Because I feel like so much language speaking is like, so, it's just like confidence. Like you just have to like believe in yourself that like you know what confidence. you're talking about. And like, totally. Yeah. Like people think that I'm a native speaker of French. I do not consider myself to be like even. That's hard. I don't even think that I'm good enough at French to like apply for a job like where I would be required to speak it really, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but I can fake it just because there are like little cues and like ticks and like um, like filler words, fil that learning filler native. words. Yeah, that really make people believe that you're native. It's just like little cues Ooh. that just sound very French to do. And they're not even words, you know? And I think every language has this. And I've read like, uh, you know, language immersion blogs about this. Every language has filler words and like words that you, like in English, like and um, if if a French speaker is learning English and whenever they can't think of a word, they go, uh, you know what I mean? You can tell that th their English isn't that advanced, but if they, if whenever they're not able to think of a word, they say like, um, then uh, it's so, it's, it's like, like, yeah, you're like, oh, he's right about to get it. He's like right there because he, he stops and thinks the way that you or me stop and think in English and, and you can get that across to people you can fake it in any other language you know and that that's how you like cue people into thinking that you're better at the language than you really are that's a good point and then you're convinced that you're better point. at the language than you really are and then you like stick with it longer and you're unlocking these deeper recesses of you're like snowball yeah you're unlocking deeper recesses of like vocabulary memory of like if you had lost confidence and like slipped off the tightrope you're going to convince yourself that you don't remember stuff that you actually do that's true i felt that like in the zone like when i was in those conversations i was i would like wait i would like lose confidence and be like whoa like i totally knew that like i totally knew that i just like was freaking out yeah like i get really rusty and then when i get back into a conversation i'm like oh man i'm just like slipping it i'm like i'm totally at like a preschool level of vocabulary or like you know three-year-old but when you're really in it and like you you get the snowball effect and like you get really get the momentum up it's surprise it's always surprising me how quickly it can come back like when i went to when i visited france when i was living in germany i think that you know barely even taking french classes when i was living in germany for a year 
not having really had a lot of opportunities to practice it, not having people to practice it really where I lived, just from staying there even like a week or something, I think that I got to a higher level of French than I'd ever been before, even when I like uh, lived in France for the, the months in high school where I was in an exchange program there. Oh, cool. Okay. I thought that I totally lost it, you know, over, over years of, of not practicing, but it, it's like riding a bike. It really, it really does come back. For sure. That's good to hear. Like, did you, I was curious about like your time in Europe and like, when did you first go to Europe? I guess, was it like the exchange program or? Yeah. Like my senior year of high school, I did a semester abroad, the first semester of my senior year. And actually a little bit more than that. Like I came back about a month or two into the second semester of my senior year. And they didn't even like make me do the homework for the stuff that I missed. They were just like, oh, you get it. You're, okay. We, we won't, we'll just give you credit for that stuff that month. No makeup. I still flailed a little bit that semester just because like I came back and I was like, I'm so beyond this shit. This is useless. American education system's a joke. High school diploma isn't even respected internationally. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I was like so in my head about it, but eventually I, I was able to pass American high school and then like go on to university. The first, uh, semester senior year though I, I was living in France and I did like they have different tracks for high school at, in like lycée the like French equivalent of high school mm -hmm. to prepare you for either college or different areas of professional study oh so they sort of start early preparing you there whereas here it's like you just general for everyone high school yeah like it's really interesting and like I don't I can't speak to how effective it is. Like, I don't really know if it's doing anybody any favors, like for how many years of education in the US, the education is so general and homogenized and like completely the same for everybody, regardless of your skill set or your individual interests. All of the high school curriculum is the exact same requirements for everybody across the board. Even if like you declare like, I'm taking these AP, these AP English classes and I'm learning French and I'm learning Spanish can you like chill about me not knowing algebra? Like, can that just be fine? Yeah. Because like, you know, yeah. and, and it's not fine. Like you, you have to it's take like, this. No, like, yeah, you have to take the same math and science requirements as anybody who's specializing in like engineering and stuff for all of US high school. And then the first like two, maybe three years of most all colleges, especially at, at the JC or, or like bachelors, like you have to take general education regardless of what you're studying. And certain universities have a better way of integrating that with individual programs of study yeah but in general like especially at state schools like you really have to take Generalize. the same classes that everyone else takes yeah and it I think that it holds a lot of people back from wherever school could have got them like whatever they had the potential to do they feel like it's completely inaccessible to them because they can't pass math or they're not good at writing or they're dyslexic or like whatever you know for sure like I feel like I, I agree like I feel like the first two years of university were just like high school to and then For real. the second two year we're like actually in my major you yeah know? and it's so expensive it's like yeah they do they do such a great job of convincing you that you're wasting your time that like they're really yeah. trying to scare people off it seems like they, they don't want they don't want you to graduate college major oh my god yeah whereas in france and in, in most like quote unquote developed quote unquote first world country that's totally colonialized language you know but in, in most of the developed world their public education system operates along these similar lines of you choose a track pretty early on, like maybe like seventh grade or earlier of like, I have strengths in language, I have strength in languages. So let's absolutely minimize the math and science requirements because yeah. that's only going to hold me back from reaching my potential of like the best school that I can get into or, or the, the most fulfilling education where I could perform the best in. Like, it's just gonna make me look bad. It's, it's just, it just makes the students look bad to like tell all the kids that are the most adored in their art classes that like 
hey, if, if you can't do this science thing, you have to drop out. And you yeah, can just forget about all the art and drama stuff that, that you're like, obviously, indisputably the best in your class at. You just, you just can't do that unless mm-hmm. you can do pre-calculus or whatever. So when I was in France, I was on the uh, literary track, which was good and bad, I think, you know, because uh, I don't know how much I would have gained really from like taking math or science classes over there, aside from maybe certain vocabulary things. We did like a French literature, English literature, English class, and then also Spanish and also Italian. That's and dope. So you're just yeah, very really cool. like literature of like all these different countries. Like. And it's so normal, like in the absolutely free public education system in France, you don't have to pay any money for your kid to know three languages by the time they're 17 or 18. That's like that's normal. Whereas that's like dope. I tell people in the US that I speak three languages and they're like, what that, that, that's insane, dude. Like, how could, how could you possibly like, <laughs> like, what are you, what are you doing here? Shouldn't you be like giving a lecture at Brown? Yeah. People don't believe it. People think it's insane. And it's like literally leave the US. Like you, you don't have to walk more than a block to meet somebody who speaks three languages. Yeah. That's ridiculous. But like, also the, the, being uh, in a literary track <laughs> in uh, the French high school, I, I was in a, I was in an Italian class and I had never taken Italian before. And they, uh, and like my name is Italian and they would like make fun of me for not knowing it. And it's like, what oh, the heck, I see. dude, like y'all are in year three. I've never heard these words. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not handed down through my DNA. Like the language. Yeah. Like my host sister, <laughs> like the girl that was my age and the host family that I was taking these classes with, she told me that I sounded like, um, Brad Pitt in *Inglorious oh Bastards*, <laughs> when he tries to speak Italian and he's like "Arrivederci," <laughs> like that's what I sounded oh like God. to these people. That's funny. Yeah, it was cool though. It was a great opportunity to learn, and like I hope that anybody who's interested in learning foreign languages in the U.S. like it's not an absolute requirement, but it really gets you so much farther in way less time to be able to live in a place where you have the option and the opportunity to just stop speaking English. That's that what sounds it takes. fucking refreshing. You, it's it's like sink or swim, you know, like you gotta drop yourself yeah. into a completely disorienting environment where you have no choice but to pick it up. It's like uh, dropping the baby bird out of the nest and then, it, and then it flies. Yeah. Did you ever face challenges of like wanting to speak another language, but like people speak English to you because you're American? That was more of an issue in Germany than in France. Like, oh, okay. the, you know, the, the stereotypes of like French people being bad at English or like having really thick accents or whatever. I think that it comes from like, there's a certain pride over their like literary history. And I don't know, they, they really feel like they're the most, to an extent there exists and like the cultural unconscious over there that like they are the, the lingua franca. They are the like first ever, like the, the most taught language in the world before English oh. was, it was French, you know? And like yeah. the language of colonialism before British English became the language of colonialism. And they still kind of operate that way where it's like, if you are in France and it's perfectly logical, like if you are in France, like you have to learn French to get anywhere mm-hmm. and people won't give you the time of day either, otherwise, unless it happens to be a person who's really excited to practice English. Whereas in Germany, and also they like hate Americans. Like, I mean, they don't, they don't, but they're critical of America for, I think the right reasons. Like mm-hmm. we are deeply undereducated. We are, we are overconfident and undereducated because of the economic like hegemony that the country enforces around the world. In Germany, they have a little bit more of a romantic view of Americanism. Mm. Americanism being like 
American culture, they really romanticize it. And they, like, we really haven't had a reckoning yet in mainstream German culture in the same way that we have in France. Like, Germans are still excited to talk about, like, oh, you're American. Do you listen to The Strokes? Like, oh, you're American. Do you listen to Arctic oh, Monkeys? And it's like, yeah, dude, for sure. Let's talk about it. And they're like, psyched, you know? So Germans are excited to practice English. They're typically better at it, like, on average. And so because of that, yeah, it's like, oftentimes when I'd be trying to speak German and I'd be trying to maintain immersion, people would just start talking to me in English because they know English really well. And people just want to like make things easy for you. Yeah. Whatever language is going to create the path of least resistance, whether it's the French person keeping in French or the German person being accommodating to you by switching to English, they're, they're just trying to make everything easy for everybody and like not make mm -hmm. a stressful situation, but it's like, I need the stress. Like I feed off of it. And yeah. The only like way I out is through. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would have to constantly like, remind people and it, it was situationally dependent on the, the relationship i would often have to remind people like hey i really need to practice german so let's stick with this that makes sense yeah you have to like say it for them yeah that's that's how i felt about japan too when i went to japan i felt the same like a lot of japanese people like romanticize american culture yeah they're so excited so, about the opportunity to practice yeah they're so excited about like meeting an american and like talking to one and like they want to practice their English and like, they think it's cool that you're American and they're like, Oh, America, it's so big. There's so much room. And like, I got that a lot. Like people think it's like this big place with like, there's so many opportunities, like there's so much room and everything. And like, I find it, I had to like speak Japanese. Like I had to like say, I wanted to speak Japanese for them. Cause obviously I look different. So it's like they would just start speaking to me in English, like obviously. They're going to assume so, you don't know any Japanese. Probably. Exactly. Which yeah. a lot of people don't. A lot of people who go there, they maybe don't know it. You know, they're just like a tourist or something. So so that's so cool that you got to go to Japan. When were you there? So I was there in like 2015 for like three weeks, like during nice. the summer, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Would you ever want to yeah. go back? I would definitely want to go back because I love it there. I think it's like an awesome country. And like I had like the reverse culture shock thing where like when Coming I came back, back, yeah, like when I came back off. to the US, I was like, this is so weird. Yeah, like now you like, now you really realize that it kind of sucks here. It, yeah, in a certain way, yeah. In a certain way, like I think the biggest difference was like how people acted. I think in Japan there's a level, there's a standard of like politeness and like courtesy that like everyone has. In the US, it's more like, what's up? okay man and I, I found that like jarring at first when I got back like yeah I had a reverse culture shock with a certain aspect of German culture that that is often called like the German stare and okay. I think this is true with a lot of like North European cultures like certainly in Scandinavia from what I've heard the amount of time that it is socially normal and like not necessarily impolite to just look at someone mm. like a stranger like on a bus or on the street or in passing or something like in Germany, people will just look at you and it doesn't even mean anything. They're, they're just there, they're just present. They're just in the environment. They're just perceiving the space around them and you're in it and they're looking at the person that, that's near them. It's not flirting, it's not an assault. They're not judging you. They're not like criticizing your shoe game. They're just not afraid of people around them. And a lot of people really get uncomfortable with that over there. Mm. I acclimated to it pretty quickly and like you know you kind of have to assume everybody's best intentions like oh this person isn't like judging me or like being xenophobic or whatever they're just looking at me you know and people like warn me about this in advance but then coming back to specifically 
the West Coast and specifically the Bay Area, where people are so like blinders on, like if yeah. if you're on a bus, people will pretend they don't see you there. Like people, and yeah. because they assume that that's what you would prefer. They assume that that's the polite thing is to not be acknowledged because like looking at somebody is like fucking with somebody in it the is, West Coast. Dude. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. And, and so when I got so used to like the German stare and like the prolonged period of time in which it is like socially acceptable to look at somebody, I got used to that. And then coming back over here, it's like, you know, on BART in SF or like just on Muni or just like walking around on the street, like, why are we so afraid of people? Like, why are people so terrified at being perceived? Why was mm. I raised and socialized to be so terrified of being perceived to an extent, you know, I haven't fully unlearned it because it's so deeply ingrained in me. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah I that feel was like, a weird thing. Yeah, it reminds me of like babies, you know, like when you look at a baby and they're babies just will like just look looking. at you and they'll just yeah. like wave sometimes. Yeah, and I feel like that's like so in, there's nothing wrong with that yeah and because they haven't learned shame they haven't learned yeah. to be ashamed of looking at people or being looked at yeah yeah that's amazing that's cool well what do you think your favorite country is in europe or your favorite place and answer that first then like what's your favorite like place in general like, yeah i think my favorite place might be berlin <laughs> yeah because like that was my entire motivation to learn German. It's like when I did a semester of living in France, I was like in the countryside. And then I had an opportunity to visit that host family's previous exchange student who was like a girl who lived in Berlin. And so we all visited Berlin and I, I, I went with them and it was like so amazing. I was like maybe 16 or 17 at the time. And it was this girl's friend's birthday. And we were able to just like go clubbing and just like be at clubs, like drinking, like not even like crazy raging, just like n n hanging out in like adult society, going to where the music was, going to where people were dancing and like just being out and like a part of the scene at night was so cool to me. And it was like my first exposure to it. And so the first time that I visited Berlin, I was like, okay, this is what I have to do now. Like I, I have to learn German so that I can live in Berlin. And that was my initial motivation. And I, when I was living in Germany for a year, I was kind of on the opposite end of it, but I would be taking like eight, 12 hour bus rides to visit Berlin, like whenever I could get the time off school to do it. Okay. And yeah, I tried to like enmesh myself in the culture there as much as I could, like make friends, like make connections. And I was doing comedy at open mics and like bars there doing stand up. And there's totally like a path like there for English speakers, even people who don't learn German in Berlin especially, it's like kind of like the joke there is like nobody ever speaks German here. Everybody speaks That's English funny. because they come from all over, uh, in Americans especially, yeah. And I really love it, but over time, I didn't have the same relationship with Paris at first because of all the like, things that people say about how Parisians are so cold and distant, they want to have anything to do with you, especially if you're American, they don't give you the time of day. Like there's some surface, lo surface level aspect to which that is true, even if you do learn French, but I think that I really broke through that. And what it took was confidence. Like it really came down to confidence. It's like, you have to be able to look at any like Parisian on the street in, in Paris and know that like nothing that they think about you will do anything. Like yeah. their opinion of you is nothing. Like they, they mean nothing. They're like French people are fucked up for their own reasons, you know, just like Americans are. And you, you have to be completely impervious to it. And once you remove that fear of being judged by a cultured French person, then you really have nothing to lose and you can like just be and socialize and like make friends and make connections and just like enjoy the space around you. I showed up to a bar in Paris for somebody's birthday party and I didn't even know this guy. And I 
hung out there. There were charcuterie boards out the wazoo. It was, the spread was insane. And the bar staff would just periodically refresh the charcuterie boards with new stuff, wow. like new cheeses oh as we were like picking away at it. Mm-hmm. It was so cool. And that cost me nothing. Like I yeah. didn't even like, I, mean, I might've bought like one drink, but I didn't have to. Like I could have just like showed up, talked to people, eaten free food and left. It was so cool. And like once you, you have to prepare yourself mentally to be ready to walk into the situations and feel like you belong there and feel like people are excited to have you there because they, they want to meet you, you know? Yeah. So I feel like I, I am really interested in going back to Paris because I want to spend more time there with the mentality that I now have. But also I feel like there's so much in Berlin that I didn't get to do. Like I want to spend more time doing stand up there. Uh, I want to make more friends there. I want to see more of it. I want to uh, still, I still haven't gotten into Bergheim, Bergheim, you know, the, the notorious club that's like impossible to get into in the back of Paris it's in Berlin oh in Berlin like the like uh deep house techno mecca oh wow the capital of like electronic music in in planet earth yeah Hmm. and the whole meme there is the bouncers will turn anybody away for anything especially if you speak English especially if you're talkative like the thing to do in line at Bergheim is don't talk wear all black keep to yourself even if you showed up with people, don't let the bouncers see you talking to the people that you came with in line. Just wow. be like totally minding your own business, static, like stoic, gothic, and they'll let you in. I was turned away because I was wearing boots. Turns out that's against the rules. I didn't get the oh. memo. I checked okay. the website afterward and it turns out that is against the rules. I guess I get it because it's like a dance floor, you know, but yeah. like it's like a goth club basically. Like, I'm yeah, so you would think boots. that people would wear that. Yeah, but then like as I'm walking through the line, I'm looking at people's shoes and it's like, oh, everyone knew this but me. And like it And you're just like, oh (laughs) I was actually turned away for a good reason, a logical reason that I could have preempted. And it actually was my fault. It wasn't just Mm -hmm. the bouncers being like super discriminatory, you know. Uh for sure. Yeah. So yeah, Berlin might be my favorite place, but I'm open to Paris eventually reaching that same place and like matching it in my mind. But there's so much that I haven't seen, you know. I also I, I didn't get a lot of time in Prague, but I thought it was so cool and much more affordable than um, Paris or Berlin. And I'd love to go to Japan, never have. Yeah, Japan's really cool. Um, yeah, I'd love to go to Europe. That's like what I, where I wanna go next, definitely. Like, for some reason, Italy is like on the top of my list Then like Sweden is on the top of my list. Like, I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any country, I mean, I'd be happy to go to Europe. You want to like hang out with Echo 2K and Blade? Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait till I go to Europe. Like, I don't know, someday soon, I guess. Would you want to like work on like music out there? Or like, what would you have any sort of like professional aspirations or are you just trying to see the sites? I mean, eventually I, I'd like to maybe work there or like live there for like a few months just to get an experience that's like more than just a vacation. Yeah, I'm like that's make progress like learning the language. Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of what I want to do. And maybe I could set up something there where I could like be like go there intermittently for like certain periods throughout the year. And line then up like some come shows, back here. Line up some yeah. dates, have like a minor tour. Exactly, yeah, that'd be really cool. Cause I still love the US, but like I definitely need more experiences outside the US. like you know? Yeah. And you've totally prepared yourself. Like you set yourself up to be able to do that. Like, I think that with the level of French that, you know, when you got to France, you would get to 
fluency really quickly. Okay, that's so yeah. Because yeah, I love the just language. accelerate like, from there. I love how it sounds and it's like fun to yeah. like learn and to read. So yeah. What do you like to read in French? I haven't read too much, but I like to read. Um, honestly, now I've been watching YouTube videos in French. Like that's sort of like my main method of like trying to learn the language now. I do have like some practice books with like vocabulary and like paragraphs that I've been, that have like short stories, like for the purpose of like learning the language. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've been, awesome. I've been like going through that a little bit. So. What French YouTubers do you like? Uh, the guy that I sent you, I forgot his name, but I sent yeah. you like one video. That guy's like really good. And then there's like, okay, cool. There's like a, a few uh, lady ladies that I watch too, and like some other videos. But I don't yeah, have one that I, I, I think is cool is like uh, Les Recettes Pompette, and it's just like this. Professional. I've heard of that one. I think yeah, I've heard it's of that a, one. Yeah. It's this chef in France who he brings on a celebrity, like quote unquote celebrity, like a French celebrity brings mm -hmm. up a celebrity guest every episode and they have to make a recipe together. But at certain points in the recipe, the step is take a shot. So they get progressively more fucked up, like as they, they're cooking. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we're almost ready to wrap up. Is there anything else that you want to mention or? I, I, I guess know. I just want to say that like, I'm, I'm so excited for the world to open up, you know, comedy venues sure. to open up, like get on stage, be doing comedy, going to open mics, booking shows and meeting people doing it because I've been doing it as best I can, like trying to stay on it, but like in a completely siloed off way and like in, in a sort of like isolated way where like there's only me and like the few, like the, the collaborator that I live with and like you and, that, and that's like it, you know? And like the comedy show people. Sometimes. Yeah, I'm like, I want to like meet comedy people. Like I feel like that's something that I didn't totally get to in New York is like making friends with other comedians. I, I was really like um, integrating myself in like a music scene kind of. Like I, I wasn't really performing music except for I guess karaoke, like at like as many nights out of the week as I could in New York. And all my friends were like musicians because I just like didn't oh, okay. really connect with the comedians because I, I wasn't there long enough to meet the, like really make friends. But I want to put more effort into connecting with people trying to do the same thing as me out here. Yeah, me too. I, I can't wait for the, like the same thing. So Even though people tell me that that's really hard to do because the stereotype is that everyone in LA is like super out for themselves, like not interested in getting to know you unless you they can get something out of knowing you. Oh, I see. Supposedly, it's not like that. But. Yeah, so I'm prepared for whatever, you know, social barriers are going to come up to like meet the real ones. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I hope that it's easy to, I hope there's like networking events or like meetups or like something that will like be good for like producing like relationships and stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna be getting on the meetup app if not just for language exchange. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I think that's it. And then I also wanted to ask like, are we going to do like another comedy show Definitely. I don't have a okay. date for it right now. And we weren't able to this month um, because of some yeah. reasons I don't know if you know about, uh, but we can I talk about it I don't know later. if I know about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Yeah. But next month, I really would like to get back on it. Can't give an exact date, but it's probably going to be on a Saturday at 7 p.m. again sometime during the Yeah. Day. That's like the best time usually. Definitely. Like, cool. Yeah. So, all right. We're going to end this episode. Thanks for watching episode 19 with uh gianni magna this was brain dump we one of my favorite tegan and sarah songs 19. Woo! Woo! all right so thank you guys we'll see you next sunday um have a good week yeah